I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers on Hip Hop and the Law. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You know, we just saw Bobby Schmurda come home after doing nearly seven years on weapons and conspiracy charges. And that's raising the question once again, does law enforcement, the cops, the prosecutors, the system as a whole have it out for rappers or are these cases that we've been seeing over the years the result of activities on the streets that they just could not leave behind? That's what we're talking about in this episode of Street Soldiers. Joining me is attorney, criminal defense attorney, Stacey Richmond. She's a former president of the New York City Criminal Bar Association. And she's also represented various hip hop artists, including Lil Wayne. Stacey, great to have you with us. Great to be here with everyone. Hi. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Torre. You hear him on Sirius XM, Hip Hop Nation. He's the host. He's also an artist and songwriter. Torre, great to have you with us. Lisa, thank you for having me back. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Dr. Darren Porcher. He's a former NYPD lieutenant, criminal justice professor, and law enforcement expert. Darren, great to have you with us. As always, a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Thank you so much. Stacey, I want to start with you because this is all about the law. When you saw the case of Bobby Schmurda, was there anything about it that stuck out to you? Because a lot of people were saying, wait a minute, he was charged with things that were much more serious than what he should have been charged with. But what was your reaction to the case and also him coming out after nearly seven years? Well, that's a loaded set of questions. Firstly, when you see a case where there are conspiracy charges, remember that conspiracy is in the eye of the beholder, and the beholder here is law enforcement. And the problem in hip hop and, and what's going on in the street is that it creates an assumption. So in terms of what he was charged with, yes, there was a slew of charges. There was a, an extensive investigation. And then the concept of how one can link so easily into a conspiracy is something that we all must be aware of. I mean, you've treated it before in a number of your street soldier segments. That's of critical concern. People need to be in control of their message and what's going out and what can be used and what can be not used against them within, with regard to these matters. And no, exactly. And then, Torre, in terms of the hip hop reaction to, to the Bobby Schmurder case, give us sense, a sense of, you know, how people are feeling about it. Um, I mean, everybody is excited to have Bobby back, you know, like we spoke about before, just the, the manner in which he did his time, you know, as the street would say, was honorable. He stood tall. You know, he didn't snitch. He didn't go out like a sucker. Uh, he made sure that him and his team was straight. Rowdy didn't get more time. So Bobby come home early. And so for that, you know, for that, he's revered. And I think he came home to really, really warm welcomes and open arms. And it looks like he's working already. So that's a plus. And so that's a good thing. Um, Dr. Darren Porcher, in terms of people say the cops have it out for hip hop artists, that they're just looking to nail them. What do you what do you say to that? I think that could be subjective. I mean, based on the positions that we put ourselves in, it makes us as more viable targets from police. And that being said, people such as Bobby Schnurder need to understand that they're public figures. So everything that you do is observed by others. So you need to be cognizant to the fact that other people are watching your behavior. So in many instances, people may want to separate themselves from nefarious conduct because what you see on a record is not necessarily who you are. And from the perspective of law enforcement, I think law enforcement, it's necessary to, for them to have probable cause after going to arrest someone. So this is a case 
where he was already convicted. Moving forward, I think that his conduct or how he presents himself to the public is something that's going to be highly judged. So as a result, he needs to act accordingly as being a public figure. Stacey, what about that in terms, in terms of the lyrics, in terms of the content? A lot of hip hop is about what happens on the streets, which inevitably is drugs, it's guns, it's violence, it's that type of thing in, in one, one segment of hip hop. What role does that play in how law enforcement looks at artists? Well, again, as Darren was saying, and as Therese pointed out, these are high profile people. So it is a question of interpretation. They can't make an arrest without probable cause, but the interpretation of what that probable cause is, if you're lending yourself to it. So Bobby is not a foolish man. He was, I mean, his statements since he's been released and his inspiration by his fans, he recognizes that he can, he has a target on his back because he's already out, he's done time, he's on post-release supervision. So he will have to still be attentive to the strictures of the court. So yeah, he's gonna wanna stay clean of any nefarious behavior, but speaking about this, the poetry of what he speaks is what's going on in the street. It's still a message. It doesn't mean he has criminal involvement, but it is a message. Torre, what about the what, what about Bobby in terms of his, his entire situation? Because GS9, yes, that's a, a music collective, but the law enforcement said, well, you know what, that's a gang. That's a, that's a, sect of, a set of the Crips, and they're the ones that are out there doing all these activities. What, what about that connection? You know, the thing about Bobby is, obviously, with him almost doing seven years and still being so young, he was just a young guy. And a lot of young people get caught up in street activities because you got to look at the system as as a whole, you got to look at the resources that are available. You got to look at the programs. You got to look at the educational factor in our communities. And a lot of times people just turn to the street because they feel like that's their way out. These guys got lucky. They caught a hit. They was making music. They caught a hit. Your life was changed instantly. You go from 5,000 views on YouTube to millions and millions of people are paying attention to you. Um, and it's difficult. It's difficult to break those ties. And sometimes you don't want to break those ties because you're coming into this business with a different set of gangsters, you know? So um, I just I just think that hip hop is always over scrutinized in the content of the lyrics. Whereas other forms of art, you know, whether you're a painter, whether you're a screenwriter, whether you're an actor, they're not judged literally on the, uh, the content of their art. And for hip hop, it's unfair. Darren, what about the, uh, the hip hop police? You're a former NYPD officer, you were undercover, but then you also later worked at, as a bodyguard to some of the artists. W what about the hip hop police that they're just looking to get people? I I've reported on some cases like that. Well, you're referring to the intelligence division of the NYPD where they focus on celebrities, so to speak. Now, would Bobby Smurda be someone that would come up? There's a possibility, but you know, not for nothing. It's just like a treasure trove of other individuals that they're doing surveillance on. That being said, in connection with Bobby Smurda, I think what the intelligence division is gonna do, they'll probably work with his parole officer. And if his parole officer emanates certain information that there's somewhat of a, a level of reckless conduct on Bobby Schmurter's part, I think that's when the intelligence division would come into play. But initially, I don't foresee them implementing an investigation into what Bobby Schmurter is doing, what his whereabouts are, etc. That being said, a lot of it is going to be perpetuated on Bobby Schmurter's actions, and his actions are what's going to determine where he stands. What happens? Like Therese like said, if he's working, he's going to be surrounded by good people. This is Three Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. 
Yeah, 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 salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about hip-hop and the law, looking at these questions and issues yet again after Bobby Shmurda came home from prison after serving nearly seven years. Joining me for this conversation is Stacey Richmond. She's a criminal defense attorney, former president of the the New York City Criminal Bar Association. She's represented numerous artists, including Lil Wayne. Stacy, thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure. We appreciate it. Also joining us is Torre. He's a host of Hip Hop Nation on Sirius XM. He's also an artist and songwriter. Torre, great to have you with us. Always a pleasure, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Dr. Darren Porcher. He's a former NYPD Lieutenant, criminal justice professor, and law enforcement commentator. Darren, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Stacy. in terms of the difficulty of representing an artist, you have all the social media. Is the law enforcement, do they understand the difference between art and life or does all of that go out the window? I have to say, I've been in cases where they have taken my client's social media and they have used it against them. People have put themselves at the mercy of the police by the use of social media. Some of my clients have gone on their social media brandishing weapons, brandishing um, various actions, drugs, money. And yeah, it has been used in these cases. And that's a problem. People need to be in control of themselves and not handed over for use against them. It's a double-edged sword because media supports the industry, supports the rise of the fame, right. but it also presents a danger. Tori, what about that? The image, the image of the artist, because you know, you got the stacks of cash, talk the stacks of cash, there's the weapons, the, all, all of that type of thing, the language. W what about that? Is that where do you draw the line between, okay, this is this is these are the lyrics and this is potentially a problem? I mean, I think if anyone is doing criminal activity, then the last thing you want to do is go and brag about it on social media. And we've seen a lot of people jam themselves up, you know, give the, the law enforcement all the information, their whereabouts, they have their location on. It's ridiculous. But at the same time, as artists, um, are you not allowed to embellish stories, your lifestyle? You know, if you see a gun in my background and you raid my house, it could be a prop. I mean, I'm a recording artist, right? So there are things that... It's, 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 it's a really fine line between art and life and reality, you know, and a lot of times. What Tori is saying is right on point. I mean, I had a case yeah. with one of the rappers that was representing mid case, a gun case, and then he did a video with machine guns and they wanted to increase the charges and we had to blow up the video and demonstrate they were indeed props right on point. All right, yeah, so that, that happens. Dar Darren, in, in, terms of the, in terms of the social media, when I was uh, reporting on the Chinks murder investigation and interviewing the detectives who cracked the case at police headquarters, I also learned about this. They have a unit that just monitors social media of dozens and dozens and dozens of detectives, and all they do is monitor social media. How much of a, is that basically people hand, handing over information, you know, an investigation on a silver platter to the cops? To a point, technological innovations more specific to social media have been a germane component in law enforcement. That being said, 
what you produce or what you introduce in social media can provide reasonable, speci- reasonable suspicion for officers to conduct an investigation. So a case in point, as Torre mentioned, if there was a prop of a firearm in a video, there's nothing wrong with officers investigating that. But we have to go back to a common sense approach. You understand what you're doing and how you're doing it. Everything that you do in social media has been amplified times 100,000. That being said, you need to be more cognizant to the fact of what you put out there, but also understand it's a slippery slope because as Stacy mentioned, the more views you get, the greater your popularity. But you also have to understand from a law enforcement perspective, it puts you in a different position. Stacy, let's talk about the Bobby Schmurder case because it, there was, you know, I think a lot of people knew, Tere, correct me if, I, if, I, if I'm wrong about this. He was 19 and then overnight this song, Hot you know, boy, the clean version of it, um, blew up. He became kind of an overnight, he, he became an overnight overnight sensation. And people were like, okay, yeah, we know he was running the streets. He, he was not, you know, didn't deny that. People knew, knew that that was going on. But then all of a sudden we see this, uh, this indictment, more than 60 counts, 19 co-defendants. They go into the recording studio and come away with a whole haul away a whole bunch of guns. Even the police commissioner then, uh, William Bratton, was talking about Bobby Schmurder, which I've never seen him do about any artist or even any individual um, accused accused person. And, and then we find out these conspiracy charges and all of this. Was that overkill? Well, it really depends on the extent of the investigation. Was it overkill? Look, you only need a few charges to give somebody a significant amount of time. Another thing we need to talk about is the, the fact of his youth. And you know, young people will make foolish choices. And do we go as hard on that? And back to Darren and Tori's point, the, the, the more famous you are, there's a saying, you know, it's the fact foul that get eaten. So he's looking large, they can, they can assign him to a, a group of bloods, a set of bloods, and therefore they expanded that investigation. Was there some aspects of conspiracy? Were there guns recovered? Yeah, these are all problems. But in approaching a youth, did we need to put a 19-year-old away for seven years? I mean, his mother was very valiant for him, but it's one of the things we have to consider as we look forward in law enforcement. We have to be balanced and we have to look at the individual within the context of the allegations. Right, and I think you mean the crib set. Torrey, in, 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 in terms of how fast the fame came for him and then the fame and then all of these charges and then he's tied, you know, he's tied into these other, other cases that were very serious cases and murder cases with other alleged, uh, you know, co-conspirators and other alleged members of GS9, which the government said was you know, a crip set. What about how sudden this change was for somebody at the age of 19 who's, you know, one minute he's hustling on the streets of Brooklyn, next minute he's got like the biggest name stars in hip hop trying to do a remix with him. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's a hard transition for anybody, I think, at any age when all you know is one lifestyle and then you thrust into the limelight, you thrust into something else. Imagine being a Brooklyn kid performing in Brooklyn at the Barclays in a packed arena, you know, and you just came from your hood. It's just, it's a whirlwind, you know, and I like to speak to the fact that he was so young, right? It, it takes a lot for you to mature in this world. And sometimes the age and the maturity aren't at the same place. And especially when you're dealing with people that are really, really young, um, it was a lot, I think it was a lot to deal with. Um, And I think that 
it was it was dangerous for his career. You know, the fact that Bobby was able to come home and, and be welcomed by Sylvia Rome, right? The, the head of Epic Records, his label that he records at. That was beautiful because that label could have thrown him away, got rid of him. He might not have had an opportunity to do anything. And then what happens to a kid with a record with no work experience that can't, you know what I'm saying? Can't get a decent job to take care of themselves. You end up back in the street. Right, and end up doing the same thing. Darren, I know you got something to say about that. No, I, I understand it wholeheartedly. At 19 years old, you're an adolescent and you're just trying to figure it out. You know, I mean, I love learning how to do the smarter dance. So that that being <laughs> said, and I'm sick, right, and I'm sick. Can you show us or, or you want to send us a little you, video you, you, for the... You ready? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> no, no, but on a serious note... Do you put your just, license Do you put your license nine on the table before you do the... the yeah, absolutely. No, but on a serious note, you know, he was just on Saturday Night Live prior to being taken into custody. And right. he's just a young kid. He's just trying to figure it out. So when you look at the social structure of what a 19-year-old in Brooklyn is dealing with, he's really no different than most of the people within this social context. That being said, I just it was unfortunate he fell within the throes of law enforcement. I don't want to say he's a good or a bad person, but that being said, the greater your popularity, the more it introduce you to, introduces you to do different things. So when we speak to the social media perspective or his connection with gang sets and things to that effect, it's, some, it's somewhat the natural order of someone that comes from that environment. And that's what we saw reflective of the, the incarceration of Bobby Serta as a result. Do you think it was too harsh, the, the sentence? You know, it's, it's subjective. Some people may think, uh, many people felt that he should have gotten more time in the wake of how gang violence has plagued the city of New York. We've seen a meteoric rise in gun violence. So many people may say that, look, he should have gotten more time, but you also have a component of people that say, look, this is only a 19 year old kid that's just trying to figure it out. So moving forward, let's not overly penalize him because criminal justice reform ultimately should be at the forefront of how we're moving in society because we've seen these draconian sentences imposed upon people more specifically to the African-American communities. And that disenfranchised community has been greatly impacted as a result of these laws. That being said, we look at who Bobby Smurda is, and I just see him as a kid that was just trying to figure it out. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back after this. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about hip hop and the law, looking at these questions and issues yet again after Bobby Shmurda came home from prison after serving nearly seven years. Joining me for this conversation is Stacey Richmond. She's a criminal defense attorney, former president of the New York City Criminal Bar Association. She's represented numerous artists, including Lil Wayne. Stacey, thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure. We appreciate it. Also joining us is Torre. He's a host of Hip Hop Nation on Sirius XM. He's also an artist and songwriter. Torre, great to have you with us. Always a pleasure, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Dr. Darren Porcher. He's a former NYPD lieutenant, criminal justice professor, and law enforcement commentator. Darren, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Stacy. what about what about that? His age, 19, they certainly didn't take that into consideration with the way they dealt with him from one police plaza, the headquarters, from the, the indictment, which was a long list, from tying him to people that were um, had actually been convicted of killing people. I mean, they put him in this whole conspiracy thing. How can they how can they put him in a conspiracy like that? 
they wouldn't have charged him if they didn't perceive that they had probable cause. And he did take responsibility for various actions. I was not involved in the negotiations. That's something that happens between his counsel and the people. And I would hope that a proper sentencing package was put before them in negotiating that resolution to call attention to his youth. We have had great reform in the state with regard to understanding youth. And we are bound balancing against, as Darren has said, and as Torrey has said, we have been plagued by violence and guns, and there's the balancing between youth, the involvement of this, and how do we deal with it, and what is the proper message to be sent. And it's also fascinating that this young man has come back because he is so talented, and he's welcomed by his record label. In so many other aspects of industry, you have a cancel culture for this, but we are looking at a youth that did time, took responsibility, stood up, and did his time in the most honorable fashion. So there are so many various sociological factors that we have to think forward for within the community and within law enforcement you know, and how I, justice treats that. I would like to ask what, what type of programs are in Bobby Smurda community? You know, I don't, I don't hear anybody talk about that. Where, uh, where's the place for young people to go? Is there any programs? Is there, he was into music. You think he would have rather spend time in the street or rather spend time getting free studio sessions so that he could create music, something that he was passionate about. So these are the things that we don't talk about. These are the things that they don't consider when they say, well, these guys were out in the street. Sometimes right. your friends are just the people that live in your community because that's who you have access to. And maybe you gravitate towards the guys with the power so that you be on the power side and not be on the helpless side. You know, it's so much of these things. Like you could put a conspiracy charge together just because I gave a guy a dollar at the store. You know what right. I'm saying? These are the people in my community that I grew up with. It's not oh. a lot of opportunity out there. So when you get wrapped up in stuff, it's also part of a bigger play and a bigger picture. No, and you're right. And I did a, an exclusive interview with his mother after um, at the beginning of the case. And she said, she goes, everybody that he was indicted with, she said, those were the guys, they used to come to my house. I used to feed them. They were his friends. They were his friends going up and, or growing up. And of course, to your, your, your question, your issue about the programs, we know that we know there's there's next to none. There's some and there's people that try, but in terms of something that's accessible to a lot of people, there isn't. Torre, in terms of the messaging of hip hop, the violence, we've gone through different periods. We've seen Pop Smoke being murdered. We saw Nipsey Hussle being murdered. There are some people who are concerned that there's a resurgence now of the gun, of gun violence in hip hop in and around the artists. What's your take on that? Um. You know, there's a lot more money being made than we've ever seen, which comes with a lot more risk. Um, I think Jim Jones said, you know, being a rapper is like the hardest or the most dangerous job in the world. And it's true to a, to a degree. You have a lot of people that are, you, you have a target on your back, right? You got people that you came up with that are looking for a handout. You got police looking at you. You got the ops looking at you. Um, it's so many, it's so many different facets to it and, and people get caught up. Um, yeah, there are, there are a lot of people who deal with gun violence. There are a lot of people who deal with the activities of the street, but sometimes it's just out of need for protection. It's out of necessity. Stacy, Stacy, what about that? And what, what is your take on that in terms of the, in terms of the whole gun issue? Cause you represent a little Wayne with when he caught the gun charge and guns are looked at very differently in Georgia or Atlanta, where he was living at the time. One thing is that this is not one country when it comes to gun possession and the perception of the right to bear arms. In New York City, there is a minimum of three and a half years 
for simple gun possession. That can be negotiated down to two or one in various situations. I was very successful for Wayne, but that was a legal gun purchased by his manager legally in a, in a state, but it was not legal in this state and in this city. And it is even from New York City to the rest of the state, it's different. So don't bring a gun to New York City. And that's one thing that people need to be aware of. The fact that there are guns in our state, the whole concept when Bloomberg had this law increased was to create deterrence. Clearly it hasn't worked. And now we're just putting kids in because kids are getting guns because they think it's cool. It's not cool. Maybe we need a panel of people that have, like Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, people that have been killed by gun violence, and kids have to sit with them as part of their school. Torrey, have you have you felt or sensed any kind of change in the in the hip hop community among the artists? Because you talk to a, and interview a lot of artists as well as being an artist yourself, and just the, just the people in the in the culture. Has there been a change about the, about how they look at guns? I think or that you 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 look at. You know, I think, again, some of this stuff comes with maturity. Some of this stuff just comes with having the right people around you. But you look at a guy like Pop Smoke, who was murdered. You look at a Nipsey Hussle, who was murdered. It makes people want to protect themselves even more. You know, it makes people want to grip up their arms even more. Because, again, a guy like Nipsey who was in the community trying to do all the right things for all the right reasons. I feel like that should have never, ever, ever happened. You know, right. like, so, you know, the same with pop, you know, trying to better his life outside of the hood environment, if you will. Um, those things should have never happened. So again, people are fearful for their life. You know, you listen, they know exactly where you're going to be. You got to post your show so people can show up. That means they know when your home is empty. That right. means they know what, what venue you're going to be at. That when you walk off the stage, they know around the time you're leaving. There's so many different variables to being an artist that people don't think about and have to deal with. And you can't always have security. You know, you don't always have security and security can't always protect you. Sometimes, listen, if your security is handling one guy, you might have to handle the other. It's just difficult. It's just difficult to be an artist. No, and Darren, what about that? What about that? Because you worked as a bodyguard too uh, for a time. In, in terms, in terms of the exposure of the artists, like what Torre is saying is, you know, they come off the stage, they've got all the jewelry on, they've they've got, uh, you know, there's people coming around to try to see them. It's it's very, it can be very very chaotic. What about the vulnerability of artists right now? Well, I think for an artist, they're dealing with a very challenging environment. From one perspective, they want to be perceived as a real person, not necessarily as a gangster, but someone that's real, that's somewhat on par with the social aspect of what's happening in their, in their communities. They don't want to see, they don't want to be seen as a detached entity, so to speak. But the other side of it, you have to understand it. It's okay not to go back to certain communities, you know, like, look, it's fine. If you have security, you know where to go and right. where you shouldn't go. And these people have, have come from these communities and no one knows it better than them. But then when we look at the communities that we live in, they're somewhat disenfranchised, socioeconomically impoverished communities that are primarily inhabited by African-Americans and Latinos lack certain services that are afforded in other communities. So as a result, we've like seen these. Right, right. right. We, we've seen, like Torrey mentioned, where are these programs in these communities? And they're non-existent. And that's a problem. So when we look at it from through the political spectrum, I think they're at fault as well for not making that necessary application to, the, to these communities that are in need. So as a result, the artists that come from these communities feel as if they're on two, two ends of the fence and it's very difficult for them to navigate through based on the young age. I would, I would add to that, like schooling in each of the communities needs 
direct improvement because the, the differentials, as Darren was saying and as Tore was saying, are extreme, extreme. No, they're the, and we've, we've done many, many stories about, I've done many stories about that and we've, we've done different shows about that. The educational inequity, there's all kinds of inequities, but let me bring it down. You are the queen of the housing authority. Lisa, you be in the, you be in them projects, Lisa, you be in the peace. You, you in those streets, hard body, especially in housing. And so you get the word all, out all there. All over the place, all over the place. I'll go wherever the Big store is and, and, get, and No get heat, it. no heat. You're gonna see Lisa Evers. Exactly, I got, I got the down code to prove it. The, um, but a lot of times we bring the camera and they get the heat. We bring the camera, the, the mold gets fixed. We bring the camera, you know, lights get turned on, security well, cameras get put in. So you and Torrey are using journalism for the very point of, germ of, of journalism to bring the answers to the people, to bring the word out. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back after this. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts. And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people on only on Hot 9-7. You did. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about hip-hop and the law. Does law enforcement have it out for hip-hop? What about young artists who get in trouble because they're still got one foot in the streets? We're talking about this with our guests. Great panel we have to do it. Stacey Richmond, she's a criminal defense attorney, former president of the New York City Criminal Bar Association. She's represented Lil Wayne and other artists. Stacey, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Torre. He's the host of Hip Hop Nation on Sirius XM. He's also an artist and songwriter. Torre, great to have you with us. Hey, Lisa. Thank you. And also joining us is Dr. Darren Porcher. He's a former NYPD lieutenant, and he's also a criminal justice professor and law enforcement commentator. Darren, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Stacy, where does the issue, yes, on the one hand, we're all sensitive to these, most of us are sensitive to these cultural factors. We understand systemic racism that has been there in the criminal justice system that is under reform right now. But at a certain point, it comes down to the person's personal responsibility if they pick up that gun and they pull the trigger. Yeah, the law is clear. You cannot possess a weapon unless you have a license for that weapon, and they're not granting these licenses to many people, we'll be very clear about that. But if you possess a weapon, you are putting yourself at risk for prosecution. That is the law, and that's where it stands. And then also, Stacey, if, the, in, in, oh, go ahead, Tori. If, if you don't, you might be putting yourself in a position of not being here tomorrow. Exactly. And that's what that's what guys are that's what guys are wrestling with. Like that's the part. You have a huge target on your back. If you are an artist, if you're recording an artist, people automatically think you have money. Whether that's true or not is a different show. But people automatically think you got it. And and there's no defense to having a weapon so that you can get out from under the possession and self-charge for self-defense. There's self-defense if you shoot another because you're trying to protect yourself or one of your friends or your family, but the possession itself does not have a defense in that realm. And that is a differential in the law. I've had cases where my own clients, rappers, were literally, they, as you guys have said, came off the stage, somebody headed off their cars and there was a gunfight in the street. And yes, they used the weapons to protect themselves because they had to. I think, I think our communities, I think our 
communities can do more to be somewhat socially conscious. Because when we see the denigration of these communities of color, a lot of it is a small fraction of that community. The larger part of that community doesn't want gun violence in these yeah. communities. That being said, I think that we can do more to amplify. When I say we, meaning the people that live in these communities of color can do more to amplify the necessary message that we don't support gun violence. We don't support antisocial behavior. And that being said, if you have the majority of the community that's speaking out against or in opposition to gun violence, I think that it'll be marginalized more and more and more. Because when you look at a lot of these communities of affluence now, they haven't always been affluent. I give you an example, Hell's Kitchen. In the past, that wasn't a great place to live in, but the people banded together in that community and they spoke out against the problems that were plaguing those communities. That's what we need to do. Sarah, in our they, all, they also had a real estate boom, and it was there, there's a lot there, there, there's a, there's a lot in that. But the the point the point is is that you have artists now that you that they're making the choice. They're they're like I've got this tremendous opportunity to make a lot of money to change my life, to change my family's life, you know, to change the life of people that I love. And I've got a lot of other people that want to take it away from me because, and they'll do whatever they have to do. So they're like, I'm going to carry a gun for my self-protection, not because they're out trying That's to rob me. Hire Pardon me? Hire <laughs> Yeah, well, you can hire me. <laughs> okay. No, but I'm just saying, I don't think people, this I don't think people understand. Torrey, uh, no, help me out here. I don't think people understand who haven't been like behind the scenes in it's wolves. It's wolves. Like, like people like are hungry, how, right? How brutal it, how, how just how thirsty people are on the streets. The, the audience, you the people also, that you, Wait, wait, let, can you just let Tere finish up, please? Think. I'll come the to you. people that you are catering to, the, the, the audience, the market, right? They Nine times out of ten, they come from these communities, right? But that's your fan base. That's your audience. You got to keep them engaged. You got to remember that so many artists are coming from dire straits. They're coming from, you know, less than ideal conditions, and they get out of that. And there's still people that they left behind that are hungry, that are wolves, that... Right. It's not necessarily, yo, I hate Kevin, so I want to kill him. It's, yo, I know Kev, if I get Kevin, that's $100,000. That means right. I can do X, Y, and Z. Again, I think that you have to you have to be very mindful of the fact that none of these things are mutually exclusive. These things are all interconnected, dealing with the poverty, dealing with the schools, dealing with the drugs that were thrust into the communities, dealing with the fact that fathers were taken away and put in jail for, you know, my friend just got, her father just came out of jail after 33 years, wow. you know? Come on, you like... Also, but you also have to identify the challenging issues in these neighborhoods and recognize the fact that you are a public, uh, uh, you know, you're a publicly acclaimed individual. That being said, you have to understand that, look, you know, I may be able to go over here, I may not be able to go over there. That comes with your status. And that's ultimately what's gonna drive you into not being in these situations where you feel it's necessary for you to carry a gun going into certain neighborhoods. Stacey, are there certain, with the artists- smoke was killed in the hills, right? Like, he, hills, wasn't right. The, he wasn't in the hood. He was out of Brooklyn. He was out of his environment. He was out of the neighborhood. He was in a quote-unquote safe place, and it still happened. Right. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but you can minimize it by not going into certain places. 
Well, also how you, how you carry yourself and how and how you move. Stacy, Stacy, what about that? Have you seen certain artists that have been able to protect themselves? I, mean, I think of Fifty Cent, like how he, you know, he he was left for dead and then started his had the hit album Get Rich or Die Trying, and then basically didn't keep anybody around him from from Queens unless they were actually performing a job. He's like, I'll give you a job, you know, I'll give you a job with my team, but you're gonna have to work for it. There's no like hanging around and look at where he is today. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the people that are more astute, they want to make sure that the people that are around them are around them for the right reasons, not just to take, not just to build themselves, but to build a better life. Um, because, and they recognize, and many of them recognize their communities. In terms of people that have been shot, I remember I was once in an airport coming back from a case with Freaky Zeke, and we got stuck there for an ice storm, and we had to count his nine bullet holes. I mean, the kid had been shot that many times. So there are so many issues. As Tore said, this, and Darren said, this is not a simple situation. This is about community. This is about education. This is about growth. This is about security. And making sure that each of these people know that they within themselves can go forward. And that's been the beauty of hip hop. It was a way out because of sheer talent that wasn't provided through the schools, not provided through education, not provided through community. This was the individual talent of these individual people coming from adversity, speaking about adversity and letting the rest of the world know we're here. No, absolutely. Tore, what about, what about the responsibility of the music industry itself? It's changed a lot. Artists have a lot more power. There's a lot more ways to come up without, you know, going through different gatekeepers or whatever. But but does the industry, the culture itself, share some responsibility in, in, in promoting the violence? In, I don't want to say promoting it, but in making the violence, allowing the violence to be so popular in some ways? Listen, you want to open up that wormhole, that, that can of worms? Um, you got to think about how many of these companies are owned by companies that support privatized prisons. So if the message is violence and you can arrest people and you can put guns on and all of these things, right, then that's profitable. If an artist passed away, his streams go through the roof. That's profitable. Right. You know, if an artist is on the news, when they, when they arrested Bobby... They, it was like a music video, you know what I'm saying? Like his right. perp walk was crazy. They showed all the guns and all the yes. people coming out. Like they could have put it on MTV. All of these things drive sales. And really that's what they concerned about because the people who are in the hoods, the people who are in those nightclubs, the people who are putting their life at risk every day to make this music and provide, they go to one place and the people that run those companies and sign them to those deals go to another place and they never have to deal with the ramifications of the music that they so readily put out. Darren, Darren final word, do you think we're gonna see any uh, increase in gun violence, decrease in gun violence or? What's your prediction? Right now, gun violence is at a meteoric rise and a precipitous drop is nowhere in sight. A lot of this evolves around the political climate, more so specific to the mayor that we have in City Hall that hasn't addressed the real terminal issues of violence in the communities of color. I think that you need to have an introduction of greater social programs in these communities, such as alternatives. When these kids get out of school, what are they gonna do? The mayor has yet to address that concern. So as a result, the gun violence is gonna to continue to rise and hopefully the next administration can come in with a proposition that can decrease the violence as a result. All right, Stacy, final word on the case and, and advice? I don't, I, I agree with Darren, but the answer is not incarceration. The answer is investment in the community and in youth. And in youth, it's in education, it is in programming, and it is in faith in community. There are great families in every one of our communities and they are forgotten and they are left to their own devices. And that's why people sometimes find the need to have to protect themselves. 
All right, and Tere, Tere, final word on uh, on this moment in hip hop. Um, you know, I listen, I'm happy that Bobby is home. Um, I saw a video, you know, he came home, there were parties, there were people who wanted to roll out the red carpet for him. I saw Bobby with his mask on, and I saw Bobby with a, uh, a, a bottle of apple juice in his hand when he was offered a drink. So right. I feel like Bobby is on the right path to understanding that he gave those people almost seven years of his life, and now he got an opportunity in front of him. That's the opportunity of a lifetime, and I just hope he takes advantage of it. All right. Well, I want to thank all of you for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Uh, criminal defense attorney Stacy Richmond, great to have you on the show. Thank you all. Thank you. And uh, Tere, Sirius XM Hip Hop Nation host, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate no it. No doubt. Thank you. Thank Love you. to the and, panel as well. Yes. And Dr. Darren Porter, former NYPD lieutenant and criminal justice professor, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.